Hallelujah. To God be the glory. Hallelujah. Praise God. Um, Paul, Paul usually, when he opens up a book, whether there's a problem, whether he's simply exhausting the church, or um, like in Ephesians, we see he's really um, laying out the the fundamentals of the Christian faith and the truth of the Christian faith. He's just laying them out. In all those books, he begins with teachings, what we call doc- doctrines. And then when he's about ending it, he brings in the practical side of things. And as we've been going through the book of Philippians, uh, the Apostle Paul has been challenging us in so many areas, um, talking about how what, what God has begun in us, he will finish it. And then he, he, he challenges the church to focus on, on Christ, uh, take their eyes off all the all the works of law and self-righteousness and all t- take their eyes off all those things and then he may even make mention of the fact that if there was anything in boasting about personal achievement then he has more as a hebrew um, but then he counts all those things as dung and he presses forward and he challenges the church to press forward in christ that Maturity in Christ is not a destination, but a stage. So when you get to that stage, you still journey. So we can talk about a mature Christian. And a mature Christian is not one who's able to quote Bible verses, but one who's, who's, who, who's a, who has exercised his senses to be able to discern between good and evil. One who skillfully wields the word of righteousness. And um, he challenges them to follow him, and we said that was a very bold, uh, <laughs> that was a very bold instruction to give. And the reason why he's, able, he's 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 bold in making this declaration is because he's following Christ. So, in a sense, what he's saying is, "Follow me as I follow Christ." For there are many out there who are enemies of the cross, whose Destruction. I mean, uh, who focus on their tummy, on the, on their belly, and their, and their destruction is in their is in their is in their shame. Basically, they have no heavenly values, and also we are to follow him. Not only because there are many out there who are enemies of the of the cross, but also because we are citizens of heaven. So we are to follow him as he follow Christ. There's a heavenly culture registered in our hearts by the Holy Spirit which must be lived out. And there are promises that our Savior and Master Christ is coming soon. Having laid all these teachings, all these doctrines about our personal in, in Christ, he, now he comes to chapter 4. And... Some people try to link chapter 4 verse 1 to the rest of chapter, of, of, of chapter 3. But whichever way you take it is, is a word of God. And we want to look into it. 
And so we want to look at today in chapter 4. And he brings up a whole lot of, uh, of exhortations uh, as he crowns his message to the Philippians. And that is what we want to look into today. Hallelujah. And then you will ground our hearts in truth. That's in Christ. Give us hearing ears, O God, in the name of Jesus. And grant our trance, Father. That your word will, will be spoken in clarity. In Jesus' name. Amen. So in chapter 4, verse 1, the apostle says, Therefore, my beloved, my brethren, dearly beloved and long for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Therefore, we know no one begins a statement, no one begins a statement with therefore, which, which means of all, for all that I have said, all that have gone, chapter 1 to 3, Therefore, my dearly, my brethren, dearly beloved. He loves them. And we could see that in the letter so clearly, the way he expressed himself. And even how he would end the whole letter, we see that he, they are really his dearly beloved. And long for my joy and my crown in the sense that when he stands before Christ, there will be his joy. There will be the reason why he will be given whatever crown that he's yet to receive. Now, the way he talks about my, my joy, my crown, it's not like they are his personal possession. Um, because whatever he's done amongst them, it is by the power of Christ that he's been able to do it. And he says, so stand fast, stand fast, stand firm, stand firm. Now, stand firm not so as by their own power, because it is by the power of Christ that we stand in him. So, so, so when, any, any time the Apostle Paul uses this ex, uh, expression, be strong in the Lord. It's like, um, yield yourself to, what, to the power of Christ. What he's already made available, yield yourself to his promises. If there are any promises, hold fast unto them. That's basically what he means. If he's made promises, hold onto them firmly. If he's given assurance, hold them firmly. That is how we... That's how we hold for our, we stand strong or stand fast in Christ. Um, not by we exercising any power of, of ourselves, but we holding on to what he has said. And that also comes under faith, under trusting that you firmly believe what he has said, so you're holding on to it. Praise God. Uh, that is something for us to do. And In the light of this, in the light of this, as you're going to stand fast, as you're going to hold firm unto Christ, then there are some things that need to be put out of the way, and there are some things that need to be embraced. Hallelujah. And the first of them is what he says in the verse 2, where he says, I beseech you, dear, and Suntike, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labor with which labored with me in the gospel, 
with Clement also, and with other and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Um, properly, we know that the name is Eudea, without the S, and then um, the other person is Suntike. Um, now, what we see here is that the apostle is challenging them to be of the same mind, to exhibit a common understanding in the Lord. Now you would, you would you would you would see he uses the word I beseech Judea and beseech Syntyche. Now why doesn't he just say I beseech you Judea and Syntyche? By say I beseech and he used the word beseech for both of them, meaning the entreating or the exhortation is to is to the individuals. That means both of them are responsible. One is not more responsible. For they are coming into a common understanding than the other. They are, they are both responsible. They are both to take responsibility. So I beseech you, you dear, you dear. I beseech you also, Suntike. That means you, you are both responsible. And um, these people, obviously, um, they, they, were, they were prominent people in the, in, the, in the church because their names are being mentioned. It's something that the church is all well out. It is something that the church is very well aware of that there is some disagreement between these two people. Um, so if if they are not of the same, if they are not of the same mind and understanding, then it will cause trouble in the in the church. Because I believe they are prominent people. And um, we understand in the book of Amos 3, 3, that two people cannot work together except there be agreement. So there, there must be agreement between the two of them. And um, in the verse 3, we have an understanding that these people have had some dealings with Paul. They've labored with him. Now, you would realize I'm not committing myself to saying they are women. Um, they may be, or they may not, because uh, somehow of the view that Suntuke is a name of a male, so it can be a female, and also in the verse 3, if you look at the original translation, it doesn't say especially the Syriac and the Ethiopian versions, it doesn't say those women. After the word help, it says, and I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help them. It doesn't really say help these women. It simply says help them. So, if some are arguing that it's not two women, but it, it could be a man and a male. Some even go to the point of saying that it might be a man and his husband. Sorry, um, a man and his wife, or a woman and his husband. Sorry about the mishap. <laughs> um, whatever it is, whatever it is, my conclusion is there is a disagreement. And the disagreement must be dealt with. So, 
people can go on with the debate whether man or woman, UODS and Sintike being males or being a man and a woman or being two females, wherever, we're not really bothered by that. But the issue is that there is a disagreement in the church and he's challenging them to stand firm in Christ. I mean, pursue Christ, go for Christ, go all out in Christ. Then disagreement can't be, can't exist. We cannot allow disagreements to, to exist amongst us as we are pursuing Christ. Um, so whatever it is, there is something we must pursue. And that is same mind commonality in mind. Hallelujah. Now, why does this exhortation need to be pressed? Why? We need to press this because in the writings of the apostle to the Ephesians in the fourth chapter he makes us to understand that that believers are to endeavor to keep the unity of the faith in the bond of peace. Reason being, we are one body. Reason being, we are one spirit. Reason being, we are one Lord. Reason being, we have one baptism, one faith, one Lord. So the spirit by which we work is the same. One Lord who has called us. If there is a division, it, it probably be because your view of, of, of how something ought to be done seems to be different from mine. But what we need to understand is that we are being directed by the same spirit. And in, and in Corinthians, we understand that the manifestation of the spirit is in different forms. One thing is clear. If either by faith or by works of the, of the, of the law. So if it is of faith, then we need to understand it's the same spirit. The only problem is when one is of the works of the law and one is of, of the of and one is by faith. But we know that in Christ it is by faith. Hallelujah. It is by confidently trusting in all that Christ has done and has provided, embracing it, accepting the truth, and living by what Christ has done. Not trying to establish your own way of pleasing God. Your own petty doctrine of how things ought to be done. But accepting what Christ has done. Confidently trusting it. And moving in that direction. So if that is the case, then Ephesians, Ephesians 4, let me read it. Ephesians 4. From verse 2. It says, With all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, 
forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body. There is one spirit. Even as you are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord. One faith. One baptism. One God. And Father of all. Who is above all. And through all. And in you all. But unto every one of us. Is given grace. According to the measure of the gift of Christ. So, unto every one of us is given grace to function differently. These different functions of the, of the spirit moving through us should not cause division. Rather, we should celebrate the diversity that the spirit reveals in the one body. But unfortunately, when there is a manifestation of grace in a different way, people have issues with it. Because it is because he or she is not ministering in the way that he is used to. But we forget that the spirit manifests differently. As he wills and as he please in one body. And we are to see it in that in that in that light. To God be the glory. Then here he also Philippians, back to Philippians chapter 4, and in the third verse, we see that he's challenging whoever this gospel minister is. Whoever he is, challenging this gospel, this gospel minister, that he should help these women, help them. Now I say women because it's very, very probable, because in Macedonia, that women were more free and hold higher positions, as uh, contrary to what is in what is in Greece in general. There, the women really could hold higher positions. So, it's very possible that they, that they were women. Praise God. And I have no problem with that. If they are, or they not. Because the issue is the disagreement, which must be dealt with. And here he is challenging the gospel minister to deal with the issue. He's helped them. Now, the help here is not with their temporal material needs but help with this issue of disagreement. Help them either by providing a forum or by speaking to them individually, encouraging them to come into an understanding, making them understand what really is going on that is the same spirit working in them. Because Paul makes mention that these have labored with him. Labored with him. So they are not people who you say are not born again and are just causing trouble in, in, the, in, in the church. It's something they're not in agreement on. And whoever is in there should help deal with it. And that gives us an, an example to 
that there is something amongst us, there should be someone who should be able to deal with it. Situation should not be just be left to just deteriorate. It must be it, it, it must be dealt with. Praise God. Such help, such a help is, 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 very, very, is very, very necessary. Um, so whenever there is any issue in our con- congregations amongst us, there should be someone to step up and say, hey, we serve God by one spirit. Whatever it is, we could address it. To God be the glory. Basically, we need to spur one another up onto good works. As long as it is called today. He has done this in chapter 1 in a way. Let's look at verse 27. Philippians 1 27. Where he says, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That is, your manner of life should be as people who belong to Christ. Or people who are given over to the gospel of Christ. There, there is something about the gospel of Christ. It's about unity. Hallelujah. So this unity should characterize our fellowship. So if you are indeed of the gospel of Christ, then pursuing or seeking unity should be a natural element amongst us. Praise God. So he says, let your manner of life be as people who are of the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast, you stand firm in one spirit. With one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Striving together for the faith of the gospel. This is what we should all be about as believers in the house of God. Striving for the faith of the gospel. That what Christ has done and said is spreading out. Other issues, let's stamp over them. Put them away and push them aside. Because there is something more important. I have come to an understanding that the church is God's greatest instrument in the earth. That the people in the church are so dear to God. Because if God would establish anything, he would do it through the church. So in the church, we stand in a very crucial or important place. If God would accomplish anything that through the church Ephesians 13, that through the church the manifold, the manifold wisdom of God will be made known to the principalities and the powers. So it is through the church that God is displaying his wisdom which throughout all the ages those beings thought that maybe nothing was going to come out of all this. But God now through the church is displaying all his wisdom. So the church of God is special to him. We are his instrument. And on the face of the earth, 
there is nobody there's nobody i'm talking about body as in an entity organization there's nobody that is of vital importance to god than the church so we in the church should see ourselves as a very vital role and that whatever happens amongst us matters it matters and that we are to pursue unity with all our hearts that if it if 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 needs be being called a fool so unity prevail so be it hallelujah recently i found myself going back to to to, to certain people to, to, to literally beg them in their eyes i look weak and foolish but i say god so be it some rejected some opened up say god so be it if they see me as a fool weak fine because it's not about me it's about christ that he be revealed to the world hallelujah so you may call me whatever you want to call me oh he couldn't stand it he couldn't stomach it yes yes i couldn't for christ's sake for unity's sake. That what Christ stands for will prevail, will manifest to the church. Hallelujah. At least one day when I stand before him, my conscience is cleared. Amen. And then, let's look at something in this. Also see, um, also come to Colossians 3. 13 to 16. Col- 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 Colossians 3. 13 to 16. So he's challenging the church. Stand fast. Stand firm in Christ. Hallelujah. You know, we've, we've come a long way. Count everything as done. Okay? Have no dependency upon your own righteousness or your or your self-erected pillars of righteousness and count only on Christ's righteousness depend upon his righteousness alone let every let everything let confidence in everything else go except Christ and pursue Christ. I mean, pursue in Christ. It's not just about being born again. But pursue in Christ. Don't get born again and then now start to, to sustain yourself by anything else. We are saved by the gospel. We are sustained by the gospel. And we will enter glory holding on to the gospel. This is it. And then he says, I press after that I may gain Christ. That I may understand him. That I may know him. And then after all that, he said, now, whatever you are pursuing, stand firm in there. Be firm in Christ. 
There are some things that will disturb your, that will really weaken your firmness. Divisions. Avoid them. Be on the same mind. Pursue oneness. Now he's coming to practical things. So practically, if you're pursuing Christ, build the same mind. Hallelujah. Sometimes you may be called a fool because you're pursuing the same oneness and unity in Christ. They will call you, they will tell you you are weak. But you see, the one doing the marking is not human being. It is God. Hallelujah. The one we are pleasing is not man, but God. So in Colossians 3 verse 13, he says, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Colossians 3 verse 15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. To the which also ye are called in one body. And be ye thankful. One body. We are one body. Hallelujah. To God be the glory. Let's move on. Then. So. It says. Unity of mind. Sameness of mind. Is needed. Yes. We understand. We have. Different views on things. But when it comes to Christ. Let's understand. It's all for the glory of Christ. You see it this way. Why do you see it this way? Or oh, I see it this way because such and such and such and such and such and such. It goes to glorify Christ. Okay, fine. I didn't see it that way. You do it this way. Oh, so that people become confident. You know, that people will be able to have self-esteem. Oh, uh, 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 uh. Christianity is not about self-esteem. Hallelujah. So, brother, you are in works. Put it down. We are pursuing Christ. That, we make no compromises. If it is about exalting man, it's about putting man in the centerpiece, we make no compromises. But, we investigate what you're talking about, and it's all about Christ. It's about exalting him. Well, we saw it from a different point of view. Okay, then let's put the two together and press on. Hallelujah. But if it's about how our name will be exalted, our name, then brother, you're in the wrong camp. You need to move camps. Move to the Christ camp. Hallelujah. Okay. Then in verse 4, he comes and he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, Rejoice. Hallelujah. Rejoice always. Always means 
at all times. Always. At all times. And in all seasons. And in all circumstances. Always. Always. In every way. Every and when. Every when. Every when. Rejoice. Every situation. Whenever. Rejoice. Oh, Don't I have an opportunity to be sad sometimes? Always rejoice. <laughs> rejoice. Because if you give room for sorrow, for pity party, the enemy will soon come in with his deceptions. But stand strong. Rejoice. Hallelujah. We see that this truth was well understood by the psalmists. They seem to have understood this truth very, very well. That rejoicing in the Lord should be always in the Lord. There are many things. I know that in life there are many things to make, make, make you feel sad all day. Okay? But our rejoicing, Bible says, should be in. The, now, Bible did not just say rejoice. It's rejoice in the Lord. Because sometimes things around you are such that you cannot really be joyful about them. They are such that you cannot. What, are you rejoicing that it's just gone so bad? But you see, we can rejoice in the Lord. Praise the Lord. Because in the Lord, even suffering has a purpose. In the world, suffering is meaningless. So people do everything to alleviate themselves from it. But in Christ, there's a purpose for it. Let's see something about the psalmist. Psalm 34. Psalm 34 verse 1 and 2. A psalm of David. It is said, when he was running away and he stood, bef- and he stood before Abimelech. You remember? When he had to make him appear like a madman so as to just find a place to put his head. So Saul not kill him. And he, saw, he, he sang this. See, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I will bless the Lord at all times. Blessing the Lord at all times? Really? Even sometimes... Just without moving out of your bed, you get a problem. Because sometimes, just by turning in a wrong way, you wake up with headache. Ever been there? Sometimes, just by wrong turning, just by not waking up the right way. And he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. And I'm saying that sometimes 
without even getting up, while still lying on the bed, you could headache. And I'll bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall continually be in my mouth. So even in the midst of this, I'll bless the Lord and his praise will be on my lips. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Psalm 145. Psalm 145 verse 1 and 2. Hallelujah. We are, we are talking about how the psalmist well understood this truth. When it says, Psalm 145 verse, verse 1 and 2. I will extol thee my God, O King. I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day I will bless thee. And I will praise thy name forever. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ also encouraged us in this manner. He also encouraged us. That during times of, during times of great trouble and persecution... He says, we are not to feel sorrowful, but to rejoice. He said this in Matthew chapter 5 verse 12. He says, rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. And I have found that this is very, very practical. Tells you, ah, this is not practical. It is practical. Sometimes, when you are facing certain challenges, the enemy will want to give you a picture of doom and gloom. And you feel so down and want to depress you. But think of this, that there is a reward as I endure the suffering. There's a reward. The reward might not be you having money in your pocket here on this earth. I'm talking about heavenly reward. The fact that there is a reward that I challenge you that when it seems to be all down and gloom and think and you're going different, I need to go through all this trouble. Think. Let your mind rest on the fact that there is a reward awaiting you. And you will see the whole of darkness just disperse. Because truth has been brought out. Truth, which is light, has appeared. And darkness has to, deper- has to disperse. Rejoice. Remember, they were going through trying times. He said, you are going through the trying times which you saw in me. But rejoice. Rejoice. And again, I say, rejoice. Always rejoice. I pray that God will grant us the grace to remember this truth. That we are to rejoice at all way. 
For indeed the joy of the Lord is our strength. In Nehemiah, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I believe the disciples also caught this truth. The early disciples, I believe they caught this truth. Because in Acts 5.41, something happened. After the disciples have been beaten by the leaders of the Pharisees, Acts 5.41 says, they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for the name, for his name. They, re- they were glad. Why? There's a reward. So a Christian who is not enjoying any suffering for the Lord and is happy, oh God is so good to me. You are trading of your reward. Oh, I thank God. They were rejoicing to suffer for his name. God, there is a reward. Hallelujah. We are citizens of heaven. Hallelujah. There is a reward. For this walk. Hallelujah. There's a reward. The Bible declares that blessed are those who die in the Lord. And their works do follow them. So the works we are doing here. We should be comforted. And gladdened and rejoice. That there's a reward. For every good work we are doing. That sometimes it may be. And inconvenience may be in suffering, may be in some trouble, it may be in the midst of hardships where the mind, your mind, or the enemy is trying to have a pep pock on your shoulder telling you you're going through all this. Why are you a fool? He said, No, I ain't a fool. For the Bible says, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. And I believe there's a God, so I can't be a fool. Hello. And it is it's not, it's not su- surprising that in Acts 16.25, at midnight, when Paul and Silas have had their backs beaten, their hands and feet in chains, he started to sing praises. God, they would not allow themselves to feel sorrowful and down. They would not allow themselves Because we are not ignorant of the devices of the enemy. He will take advantage of any. So don't allow sorrow or misery or to feel down, pity party. No, rejoice in the Lord. I know that today many live for themselves. 
so, so they're not able to rejoice in the in, in the in the Lord. That's the that is that, that is some sometimes the, the reason because they're not living for Christ. So when there is something to rejoice about, I mean, there's nothing really to rejoice about. Like Peter said, if you suffer for your own wrong, do not glory. You've gone to gossip about someone and now they found you out and now you are miserable. Don't count that as suffering for Christ. No. That is for your gossip. You are in misery. So that is your own. Hallelujah. You see, in Christ, in, in Christ, in the Lord. Suffering is not meaningless. Hello. Suffering in God or going through any form of discomfort and going through any kind of trouble for the name of God whilst you are still holding on to the name of Christ is not meaningless. There is a purpose for it. There is a purpose. For suffering in the Lord. We see that in Job. We see that in Job. That there's a purpose. Suffering is meaningless. In Job 1 verse 8. So we should. We can and should. Okay. We can. And should rejoice with the understanding and hope that suffering in Christ is not meaningless. That is a purpose to it. Hallelujah. Job 1 8. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feared God and eschews evil? So God wanted to show the enemy, devil, that there is someone who is upright, who fears him, who respects him, who is not like him. There's Job. He's not like you. Have you considered this? That on the earth, there is a man who fears me and respects me. Oh no, does Job serve you for nothing? Touch him and see. He did his worst. Job was still not curse God. There was a purpose for his suffering. It wasn't meaningless. It was not meaningless. There was a purpose for it. In the end, in the end, Job 42 what does God say? Job 42 verse 7 and 8. And it was so that after the Lord has spoken these words unto Job, unto Job 
the Lord said unto Eliphaz, the Termonite, My wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends. For ye have not spoken of me the thing that is right, as my servant Job has. Therefore, take unto you seven bullocks and seven rams, and go to my servant Job, and offer for yourself a burnt offering, and my servant Job shall pray for you. There was a purpose. After that, verse 10, as you go to down to verse 10, same chapter, 42, verse 10, and the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Did God had, have any pleasure in taking the things away from Job? No. It was for a purpose. So, suffering in the Lord is not meaningless. There is always a purpose to it. So when the believer is going through times of challenges, difficult times, trouble times, going through some, it's always for a purpose. It is never meaningless. Hallelujah. That is why he says we can rejoice always. Maybe here on this earth, we might not see what the purpose is. But God will reveal it. Say, faithful one. Say, faithful God, me faithful. All the things I endured, I didn't see any miracle when I was, I didn't have a miracle of healing when I was really here. Oh, there was a purpose to that. I didn't have deliverance when I was having this financial difficulty. I didn't have any deliverance. How did I really manage? How did I really glorify you? Oh, there was a purpose to that. Really? Yes, 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 yes. I was establishing a point. This and this and this and this was what I was doing. Sometimes here on earth, the Lord will reveal it. You get to know this, 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 this was a reason. But I'm saying for some, it may not be revealed here. But we are still to rejoice in the Lord. That in the Lord there is a reward. For the walk we walk in him. And for the path we walk in him. Hallelujah. There is a reward. To God be the glory. Rejoice in the Lord. Do not let the present suffering, do not let what you are enduring right now fill your heart with sorrow. Don't let it weigh you down. Rejoice not in the thing itself, but in the Lord. That in the Lord there is hope. There's a reward. There's a reason. There's a purpose. You're a candidate. For God's reward. You are a vessel. Of God. I'm not saying. God is the author of sickness. I'm not saying that. But sickness is in the world. 
Okay? I'm not saying God is the author of wickedness. That he allowed Paul to be beaten by people. But through that, God uses those things. God still uses them for his own glory. He used them for his, he used those things that happen. He's not the author of them. But they are there. Those things are there in the world. And God used them for his own glory. He's not the author of them. He's not the one causing them so that you will, no, 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 no. But as we encounter those things, as we, as people, as we journey through them, these, these things, as we are human beings, there are times we will not be well. So we will fall ill. And during those times, God uses those times for his own glory. Men are wicked. So they may attack a believer. And during, as they attack, God will use those times for his own glory. That's what I'm saying. But not that he's the author of evil. For he is not. For every good and perfect gift comes from above and comes from the father of light of light hallelujah but there are evil people there are evil things that happens in world and as they come our way god's purpose still works through us hallelujah that as we encounter these things and still hold on to Christ faithfully. I'm saying there is a reward. This is what I'm saying. Hallelujah. That as we encounter them. And still faithfully hold on to Christ. And rejoice. There is a reward. Because we are bearing the name of Christ faithfully. Even in the midst of seemingly unpleasant situations to God be the glory amen and amen our God is good God is good So, what I would want to encourage your heart tonight is these few words. That let nothing weigh your soul down. Let's rejoice in the Lord. That in Him, no challenging situation we go through is without meaning. There is a purpose. Let's live in unity and let's rejoice in the Lord. And let's give the devil no place with sorrow or division in the work of God. We will continue from chapter 5.
next time. Amen. Father, we thank you. Use these words of God to build the house of your people. Wherever there has been any division, there has been any misunderstandings of God, I pray, grant us the wisdom to rise up and to bring unity and peace. For the wisdom that is from above is first of all pure and peaceable. And Lord, wherever the enemy has tried to bring sorrow and bring us, weigh us down with all kinds of things, Lord God Almighty, we pray that tonight, by your Spirit, quicken us up, Lord. Stir us up on the inside that we will rise up with joy and rejoice in you. Begin to be gladdened by the hope that we have in you. Even the understanding that there is a purpose for what we're going through. And that at the end of the day, you make it all clear and you reward. Thank you, Father, for this truth. Thank you, Christ, for revealing yourself on this man unto us. We are grateful. We are grateful. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah.